and to uh, have this chance to share with you briefly, and it will be briefly, um, no longer than three, four hours at max, so we should be, we should be good. Um, and as um, Gordy was saying, uh, it's been an amazing uh, privilege to be able to, to journey with you guys in this process, and uh, you guys played a huge role in just opening up your homes to us and praying for us and encouraging us in this journey that has been like a river in many ways, ups and downs. And um, so, yes, while I don't know most of you or any of you in this room, uh, I do feel a sense of camaraderie and kinship with you. It does feel like family. And uh, so we're the, the, from the, the, the Vineyard Cousins in Columbus who are here with, uh, with you guys now. And so thank you for opening up your homes. Thank you for opening up your church to us and just journeying with us in this process. And so as, we've, uh, as Gordy mentioned, uh, we came, uh, Angela and I and our three boys, Elliot, Isaiah, and Oliver. Our oldest is nine, our middle is seven, our youngest is five, and we came with one other family. Uh, Brent and Amy Flory, and they have a one-and-a-half-year-old daughter. Brent's back in Columbus right now for uh, attending uh, a wedding, and Amy uh, is somewhere, I think, taking care of Claire. They have a one-and-a-half-year-old daughter, and it's been a huge privilege to journey with them. And I also want to introduce today, we have uh, Dave and Winks uh, here with us, and they've been... Uh, uh, they've adopted us as their own uh, children and grandchildren. They've been a huge part of this journey and in opening up their homes and their hearts uh, to us. And so thank you for being here as well. And so, yeah, this is the first year that we get to celebrate two Thanksgivings, the, both the Canadian and the, and the American Thanksgiving. So, and that seems very appropriate because we do have a, a lot to be thankful for. And it does feel quite unreal that we are here after a two and a half year journey of praying and wrestling with the Lord and uh, lots of um, yeah, emotional turmoil just through this process. And, but we're here and we just moved into Vancouver uh, just a week ago. So. It's crazy to think that the journey uh, has taken us to this place, and we feel so privileged and honored and grateful uh, that God would call us here to, to be used by him and, and, and in whatever way that we can serve him. And so, so thank you for being a part of uh, this story. So what I wanted to do today was just briefly share our, our journey. We can't share every part of it, but just at least a little bit of it. And then uh, what I hope to do is that our story would not only just kind of give you a, a history of our journey, but also would be a, a source of encouragement for you in your own personal journeys uh, as you pursue God and pursue community and, and, his, uh, and his will for our lives. So can we just pray one more time and let's just invite God's presence and we'll dig into Scripture. Father, we believe and we acknowledge that you are here in our midst, that this is holy ground. Uh, and as so many faithful have gone before us with the simple prayer, we also pray, come Holy Spirit, help us to be more aware of your presence, that he would not simply stand in the sidelines and be idle and just watch what happens, but that he would enter the story and do something about it. So he and his young wife, Janine, and their two toddlers packed up all their belongings into their small car, and they drove from Columbus, Ohio, where we're from, to Montgomery. 
he was attending a school there, um, and he was one of the few whites in Montgomery who took an overt position to support the blacks. And this was just as the Montgomery bus boycotts were happening. And for his support of the blacks in Montgomery, he and his family endured a great deal of suffering. He was arrested by the police for transporting blacks in his car. They said that he was running an unlicensed taxi service. He had a flood of phone calls and hate mail sent to his house, threatening his life and calling him every conceivable name under the sun. And one morning when he tried to start his car, it wouldn't start, and he realized that someone had poured sugar into the gasoline tank, and they also had slashed the tires on his car. But the worst was still yet to come. His home was bombed. And the mayor of Montgomery accused Robert of bombing his own home in order to stir up publicity. His house was bombed a second time and almost a third time. And it was by the most miraculous circumstance that the 11 sticks of dynamite that were thrown into his yard did not go off and killed the whole family who was asleep in the house at that time. And years later, people asked Robert, how were you able to do this? How were you able to endure such pain and hatred and anger? How were you able to do it? Weren't you afraid? And Robert gave this response. He said, I can't speak for the rest of the people in Montgomery, but there were times I was scared to death. But we began to define courage as doing what needed to be done even when you were afraid. Hmm. We began to define courage as doing what needed to be done even when you were afraid. I don't know about you, but there is a big gap for me between who I am and who I want to be. There's this gap between what I want to do and what I end up doing. Anybody feel that pain with me? Sometimes the gap is small. Most times the gap is huge, but the gap is always there between who I am and who I want to be. I want to become, I want to be a better father, a better husband, a better pastor, a better leader, a better follower of Jesus. But there's always this gap between who I am and who I want to be, between what I want to do and what I actually do. And I realized over the years that this gap for me is not an intellectual gap. It's not that I don't know what needs to be done. It's not that I just need to have more information. It's not an intellectual gap. It's also not an emotional gap. It's not that I don't feel strongly and deeply 
about stuff because I do. And it's also not an opportunity gap because the opportunities are there all the time, all around me. The gap between who I am and who I want to be, the gap between what I do and what I actually want to be doing, I've discovered is a courage gap. It's a courage gap. I know what I have to do. I feel deeply about it. I have the opportunity to do it, but I don't because I'm afraid. Oftentimes, I am simply not able to say what Robert said. Courage is doing what needs to be done even when you are afraid. Joshua in the Bible is chosen by God to lead his people from the desert into the promised land. And for 40 years, God is preparing his people. He delivered them out of Egypt, and for 40 years, they are in the desert being prepared by God to enter the promised land. And Joshua is called as the person to help them in this final leg of this journey into the promised land. And so here he is standing in the outskirts of the promised land, scared to death. Because he knows it's not going to be an easy journey. And God draws near to him at this point. And he says to him, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Be strong and courageous. He doesn't say, let's come up with a really, really good plan. Let's come up with the plan A, plan B, plan C. Let's strategize this thing to death. He says, be strong and courageous. Right then and there, God is speaking to Joshua's greatest need. To hear the voice of God encouraging him, saying, be strong and courageous. I will never leave you or forsake you. I will be with you wherever you go. On August 11th of 2012, a little bit over three years ago, at 10.39 p.m., I got an email from a lady in our church that said this. It said, Hi, Insu. God has brought you to mind several times over the past few days for me to pray for you, and three phrases continually come to mind as I pray. Be strong and courageous. It's not in your imagination and for such a time as this. I don't know how these phrases may or may not apply to you right now, 
And of course, I pass along all the usual vineyard disclaimers. If these words are from the Lord, please, God, take it. If not, just let it go. And blessings to you. And what this person had no way of knowing was that there were a handful of other times in my life where God spoke those specific phrases about being strong and courageous to get me out of my comfort zone and into the next thing for me. And this person also had no way of knowing that it was just a few weeks before that we got this email that Angela, my wife, and I began to pray about our future, whether we should stay in Columbus for the long haul or, God, are you calling us to something more, something different? And and we felt like this was a good season for us to move because our kids were at that age that if they got a little bit older, it would be hard to take them out of school. But we thought that they were at a good age that, God, if you are calling us to uproot, we want to do that now unless you want to have us here for the long haul. And right around that time is when this email came saying, be strong and courageous. So I filed that away in the back of my mind, and as we continue to seek the Lord God, what, what do you have for us here? And it was right around that time as well that I got to attend a conference at Willow Creek Church in Chicago. It's the, the big church where uh, Bill Hybels is a pastor. And every year they do this conference called the Leadership Summit. And both uh, Christian and secular leaders, church leaders, business leaders come together. And for uh, about three days of just great teaching about leadership and, and, and serving uh, and as is always the custom, Bill Hybels, the senior pastor of the church, does the opening session. And so I'm in this auditorium, and it's, I think it seats about like 30,000 people or something like that. I'm in the nosebleed section of this church, and I don't know a single person in this room. And, and Bill Hybels goes up, and he starts to teach. And he says, I want to talk to you today about Joshua 1.9, about being strong and courageous. And he's looking out into the crowd. He's saying, there are some of you in this room that God's put a burden on your heart and you're asking the question, what, you sh- what should you do next? And God's calling you out of your comfort zone and into something new. And what you need to hear from God is being strong and courageous. And so for 30 minutes, that's all he talked about, being strong and courageous. So I'm sitting in the nosebleed section like, crying my eyes out. I think God might be trying to say something to me here. The next day uh, after the conference was over, I decided to check out the Willow Creek's um, Sunday, a Saturday night service at their new downtown campus. And I'd never been there before. And and again, this huge auditorium in this uh, theater building in downtown Chicago. And and so I'm there and just worshiping, the, the, the worship's happening. And after the first song, the pastor comes out and he says, I, I'm sorry to interrupt this uh, worship time. You know, it's great, great worship. But I just feel like God gave me a word for some of you here today. And this morning I was praying and, and I felt like God saying, some of you be strong and courageous. And, you know, it's, it's a big auditorium, but I think he was like looking right at me, right? He's like, 
Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. And then he walked off the stage and worshiping, and there I am sitting in the auditorium, sobbing my eyes out. I think God might be saying something here. And then I drive back to Columbus, Ohio, and it was about two days later that I had lunch with a friend of mine who I hadn't connected and with in a few years. And we're just eating lunch at Subway um, and just catching up. And, and I'm sharing with him what I'm sharing with you now, just about this stirring that God, God might be calling us to something and just sharing with him about this Willow Creek experience and the church experience. And, and he starts, like, tearing up. And I'm like, okay, that's a little weird, you know. I guess it's a cool story, but you don't have to cry about it, you know. And, and he's like, and so you're not going to believe this. I was praying for you before our lunch, and, and I felt like God gave me something to bring to you as a gift, and it's this necklace. And he gives me this necklace, and on the pendant, Joshua 1.9, be strong and courageous. So we're both sobbing in Subway, and people are looking at us weird, and I'm like, I think God might be saying something here. For me, for Angela, for Brent and I, uh, none of us had a, a burning bush experience in coming to Vancouver. We didn't see the, the writing in the clouds or the audible voice of God, go to Vancouver. There was no magic moment when our fears just disappeared. But we had dozens and dozens of little graces from the Lord. And these graces over time are what made our yes bigger than our no. We have not had the burning bush experience, but what we do have is a burden and a dream. And this burden to pray big prayers for the city of Vancouver. For the 600,000 people who live in the city and 2.6, 2.7 million people in the metro area. We have a dream to see the presence of God invade our city and that the kingdom would advance, that people would come to know and love Jesus, that people would be set free from their addictions and bondage, that people would turn from the false idols of success and money and fame and whatever it is to truly worship the one and only God. And I know this is a prayer that Gordy and Kathleen and others who have lived in this city for years and decades have been praying that prayer for this city. Let your kingdom come in Vancouver as it is in heaven. And our desire is to participate in that story. The story that's, that began way before us and that will continue way after we leave. This 
desire to see people encounter the true and living God. We have never been more afraid of anything. We've also never been more excited about anything either. And throughout these two years, we've, there were many, many times that we felt like giving up. And it was funny in this um, journey that, you know, Angela and I have been married for 11 years. And the two of the biggest fights in our entire marriage happened uh, the day before we flew to Vancouver for our first visit. And the day before our second visit to Vancouver. Those are the two times we had our, our biggest fight. And it is those, one of those things, right, when God is stirring, like, everything in your life and all the junk just comes out. And things that you used to hide really well, you can't hide anymore, right? God's like, if you're going to do what I'm calling you to do, you've got to deal with this junk here. And so all the things come up, all our fears, all our baggage from the past. And so these have been some of the hardest years of our lives, but it's also been some of the most incredible, incredible uh, seasons of growth for us. That today I could confidently say that we are in in the best place of our marriage today than we've ever had. And it's been fun to journey with our boys throughout this process because it's one thing to, you know, make a decision as a single person or even just as a couple. But, you know, we have three little ones now and to think about their process and we've been praying that God would speak to them as well in this process. And it was a really cool part uh, of the story where after our second trip, we really felt like God had given us enough to say yes Yes, God, we don't have everything figured out. The fears are still there, but we believe that you've given us enough confirmations to say this is something that we should pursue. And so we were in downtown Vancouver uh, at one of the the balconies of the place that we had rented for the week, and we brought our boys. We each had our bowl of ice cream. Uh, We like ice cream, and we were just sitting in the balcony, and we are just talking, and, and Angela and I are telling our boys, guys, like, we think God's calling us here. You know, we've been praying for a long time, and we've been wrestling with, you know, each other and with God about this for a long time, and we believe that God's given us enough, so we believe God's calling us here. And, and it was just fun to see their, their excitement about, about that. And, and our uh, oldest, Elliot, who, who's, uh, who's here, and, and, you know, we're telling him, guys, like, you know, right now, Daddy works at church, but, you know, if we come here, like, we're it. We're the church. Like, we got to do everything, and, you know, you probably have to do the kids' ministry and, and all that, and, and Elliot just got super excited. He's like, yeah, I could, you know, we could have, make my room a party room. And we could invite all of the kids in our school and in our neighborhood. And, and I could make brownies and I could make cookies. And, and there's a lot of food involved with his outreach. But, you know, whatever works, right? And he's like, and, and you know, and, 
And each night, we'll write everyone's names down, and if they accept that Jesus, we'll mark yes, and we'll pray for them. And, and something clicked for, for Elliot, and it was just so encouraging for Angela and I to be able to uh, just sh- have that experience with them. And, of course, for them as well, it's been a hard uh, journey, missing friends, um, and, you know, Skyping with friends back in Columbus is not the same thing as seeing them. Um, and so, yeah, it's been, you know, it's been a fun and hard um, journey for us here. And every time we feel like giving up, every time we feel like uh, we can't do this, which is quite often, uh, God draws near to us in his presence. And again, he reminds us, be strong and courageous. Do not be discouraged. Do not be dismayed. I will be with you wherever you go. Be strong and courageous. Friends, that's not just a word for us. It's a word for you. Like every one of you. Be strong and courageous. On December 1st, 1955, early in the evening in Montgomery, Alabama, a public bus pulls to stop and a woman in her 40s gets on. And after working a full day as a seamstress in a tailor shop in Montgomery Fair Department Store, this woman gets on the bus to go home And she sits in the first row in the section that is reserved for colored people. And when the bus begins to fill up with passengers, the driver turns to this woman and tells her to give up her seat for the white person in the bus. And this woman utters one single word that ignites one of the most important civil rights movements in America's history. Rosa Parks says no. She was arrested for disorderly conduct, and on the afternoon of her trial and conviction, the Montgomery Improvement Association held a rally for Rosa Parks at the Holt Street Baptist Church, where over 5,000 people had gathered to support her. A young pastor named Martin Luther King Jr. stepped up to the pulpit at this gathering and addressed the crowd, and he said, there comes a time that people get tired of being trampled over by the iron feet of oppression. There comes a time when people get tired of being pushed out of the glittering sunlight of life's July and left standing amidst the piercing chill of an alpine November. And with these words, the Montgomery bus boycott was launched. And for 381 long days, people walked to work, people carpooled with strangers, people persevered, and people changed the course of American history. And when Rosa Parks died in 2005 at the age of 92, The sweet, soft-spoken lady was remembered for her strength and power. People said that Rosa Parks had the courage of a lion. 
I know that many of you feel the same courage gap that I feel. So how do you bridge that gap? Courage is a muscle that needs to be exercised over and over again. And you, take, you begin by taking small steps, and it needs to start right now. Not tomorrow, not next week, not January 1st, but right now. And for some of you, God may very well be asking you guys to uproot and move somewhere. But for the vast, vast majority of you, God is asking you to be exactly where you are right now, but to simply open your eyes and pray, God, what do you want me to do here in this neighborhood in this workplace, in this school, in this street with these people. And for some of you, God is, you know, as you're praying to God, God, send me, send me. And his answer to you is like, I've already sent you. That you are exactly where I want you to be but you simply have to open your eyes and see the people that I want you to serve, that I want you to love. So tonight, before you go to bed, just pray that simple prayer. God, how do you want me to join you in the story for this city? How do you want me to be used by you in your story for my neighbors, for my coworkers, for my people? Because believe it or not, like this gathering of us in this room, guys, we are the church. This is the instrument that God has established to usher in his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. This is plan A. There's no plan B. We're it. Like, we are it. We all are terrified of stepping out in faith to pursue God. We all have things that we're ashamed of or we're running away from. But God wants to use us, like us, to expand his kingdom. Not the perfect people. He wants to use us. And all of our junk, with all of our brokenness, he wants to use us. So let me leave you um, today um, with a uh, prayer request. Please do pray for us, our team. Um, 
we've uh, settled in downtown area in Vancouver in the Olympic Village, False Creek, uh, south side of uh, False Creek there. And we believe that's, that's our mission field. And we're going to live there. We're going to courageously love our neighbors, courageously get engaged in God conversations as opportunities arise, and to carefully and wisely uh, maneuver relationships and journey with people in this process of sharing with them the good news of the gospel. That it's not just something to understand, but it's something to be lived out with our whole lives. So that's our prayer request, that you would uh, pray for us uh, as we begin to step out in faith. Um, but let me leave you again with these words from Joshua 1.9. And these are God's words for you today. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. Father, I just pray for a release of courage in this room right now, God. Even now, I pray you would call to mind uh, people's names and faces. I pray, God, that you would just give us a, a greater love and a greater heart uh, for the people uh, you've placed around us, Lord. And if there's anyone here that you are calling to that to uproot and move somewhere else, God, I pray you would just confirm those words in them. God, I pray that the Vancouver Eastside Vineyard Church will be a church that's known for courageous men and women of God who would passionately and deeply love the people. May your favor and blessing rest upon this church, upon this congregation. Lord, use it for your glory and for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.